welcome back to You Know What I've Been Wondering. I'm Sarah. I'm Jane. And surprise, surprise, we are joined by a special guest this week, our friend, Samantha. Hi, it's me, Samantha. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm a big fan of the show. I, too, don't believe in Atlantis, and now I do. <laughs> She's in on the true location of Atlantis, yep. which, it thank was, God. It was real, and we know where it is. It's in Mauritania. It's real, it's in Mauritania, which I recently realized I have a scratch-off map of Europe on my wall, except the top of Africa is in it, and Mauritania is is made it into the map, and the eye of Mauritania is is marked on my <gasps> scratch off map so atlantis is on the map in my room oh, oh, ho, ho. so sam want to tell yeah. us a little bit about yourself sure um hi i'm sam i am a 25 year old bisexual female i'm single looking for males women's non-male <laughs> non-females anything that you consider yourself to be i'm here for you that being oh. said, um, this is a new dating profile started by Sarah. <laughs> yeah. I, we want to help you find love. Yeah. Love. That being said, hi. Uh, so I'm a fourth grade teacher. Um, I went to college with Sarah and Jane. We weren't too close in college. And then I feel like after college, Sarah and I became super close the summer right after college. And yeah. then Jane and I have realized we have the exact same opinion <laughs> of the people in our friend group. Yeah. <laughs> through those opinions i'm not gonna say what they are but today is the one year anniversary of the day that i ripped out my stomach by hand um she didn't okay, do it by, by hand, hand makes it sound like you like clawed it open with your hand with your fingernails and like ripped That's no exactly. it was done by a prof medical professional yes <laughs> yes um no this is uh, this is just something that like i'm really proud of because you know i had to go through yeah. it yeah yeah case anybody was wondering bariatric surgery does also happen to 25 year olds and um i got it and <laughs> i'm still kicking gallbladder list though now and also most of my stomach list killing it um very I have proud of you. thank you i have a cat i really like tv i'm knitting a sweater and um this is a full profile yeah yeah I don't know. You asked me to introduce myself. Yeah, no, you're doing a great job. Her cat's an icon, by the way. We My love cat her cat. Is an icon. She is. She is one-eyed and completely deaf and full of joy. That's that's it. That's about me. Excellent. Jane, how are you this week? This week, I'm okay. Uh, I feel like the, the theme for the past few weeks has been like, my mental health's not great, but I'm, I'm surviving and doing this is what is one of the things that makes me happy. So when Yay. I'm here, I'm happy. Oh, How are yeah. you, Sarah? Um, I'm great. This week was a bit of a roller coaster with the release of a second surprise Taylor Swift album, <sighs> which I was at work on Thursday when I read the news and I almost vomited because I was like, this is fake. Like, this is isn't happening and i was texting philippa about it and i was like this is really happening and like i was not focusing at all because i just couldn't believe it was happening and then friday morning after doing i listened to the album on my way to work and i was listening to it while i was doing some office work yada yada and then i realized that marcus mumford my literal favorite artist of all time collaborated with taylor swift my second favorite artist of all time and i legitimately threw my phone <laughs> like I was in the middle of a hallway and I dropped it and it was just like on the ground and I just had to stand there and like cope for a minute. I'm sorry, Sarah, to interrupt. No, I just, no, I feel like I'm at this point where I have to admit to the world that I don't like Taylor Swift. <gasps> I feel like I'm okay. the only person in the world that doesn't like Taylor Swift. 
Sam, I will say that I am a current Taylor Swift fan, but I was not in the past. Prior to Folklore, I probably was, I was always kind of like, some of her songs are good. When I was in middle school, I loved her early albums. And then I kind of got over it and didn't like her later on, but I have recently changed my mind drastically about her. And I feel like I was foolish in opinions in the past. Not to say that your opinions on her were the exact same as mine, but I'm, no. a, I'm, a, I'm a convert. I mean, like, the thing is, is that I, I appreciate Sarah's giving me such a face right now. No, I have a I have a response ready for you, but I want to. I, you are welcome to share your opinion. I mean, you know why I've never liked Taylor Swift. So my thing, my thing is like I don't think it's like you don't have to like Taylor Swift music. You don't have to like Taylor Swift. You don't have to like her as a person. I love her. I've loved her music since I was fifteen. Like I love Taylor Swift, but for me. The most incredible thing about Taylor Swift that you cannot deny because it, it is an objective fact is that Taylor Swift has managed to stay relevant in popular culture, putting out music that is top to the charts for 15 years. 100%. That is difficult for any artist to achieve. And every single one of her albums is like, if you like pop music and if you like it is good. And there yes. are so many artists out there who like they go through ups and downs and like world famous artists who still have fans that are like, I love their music. This album wasn't good. And Taylor Swift fans can genuinely say that every single one of her albums has been high quality and like well thought out and well made. When Reputation came out, I did not like it. I love Reputation now. I think it is iconic in her like arc even though when it came out it wasn't for me but now that like I've gotten used to that style of her music I adore reputation and I think it's so difficult for any artist to stay relevant for that long particularly female artists who cater mostly to women and the fact that she's been able to do that and had such an enduring career that like has no signs of slowing down is unbelievable in itself. I truly think that she is a genius. I think that she is the one of the most brilliant women of all time. Like, same with how I feel about Kris Jenner. Like I said, they work hard. The devil works hardest. Good conversation. Should we start talking about milk? <laughs> no, cults first. Yeah, a milk. less no, good we segue. We have to do milk first. Jane always goes first. Oh, wait, I could do a better segue. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have good taste. That's why I still eat milk products, even though I'm very lactose intolerant. If only there were <laughs> other types of milk. <laughs> um, there are so many that I feel like, as we've talked, like someone just released like a new type. Now of we're milk? selling. Yeah, like I don't know, like cashew na- milk, macadamia nut milk. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think oh, of like milk. one that would be ridiculous but funny. Oh no, it's not. It's it's not animal milk. milk? Grass milk. I don't know. <laughs> if they could find a way to Soy make milk. milk out of it. No, we're naming ones that exist. Oh, that they don't exist. Yeah. yeah. Flower milk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but the types I have listed just as examples are like cow's milk, which comes in a couple of different varieties based on the amount of fat inclu- in, in its contents. There's whole milk, skim milk, 1%, 2%. Mm. I grew up in a strictly skim milk family for a while until we eventually switched to oat milk. Whole milk just, it tastes gross to me. Um, It's like a milkshake. It's so thick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, 
there are a couple of like umbrella categories. There are the nut milks, which is like almond milk, hazelnut milk, coconut milk. These are milks to be avoided if you have a nut allergy. Uh. Yes. Oh, shocking. So there are milks that are made from legumes, such as soy what? milk and hemp milks. And there are milks made from grains, such as oat milk and rice milk. Mm. And Sarah even listed some that I don't have in here, like the macadamia mil- nut milk. Like there's a whole bunch. I am, I made like two categories to compare them. The first okay. one being health and the second one being environmental impact. Oh, interesting. I'm excited. Yeah. So let's talk about how healthy each of the milks are first. Right off the bat, big controversy, maybe cow's milk. So many people love it and refuse to admit that it's unhealthy because they're like, oh, that protein is necessary. But yeah, let's talk about the thing about cow's milk is that it does contain It does contain calcium, it contains vitamin B, and it contains a couple of other minerals. But there's more like detriments to health than there are benefits. And also the thing about it containing calcium, it technically does contain calcium. However, animal proteins, both milk and meat, when they are uh, digested and broken down, they produce a lot of acid. So the way that our bodies respond to that acid is to use calcium to break down that calcium to break down the acid and flush it out of our systems so all of the calcium in your milk is not going to making our to is not going to giving our bodies nutrition it is used to neutralize that acid and then sometimes that calcium from the milk is not enough calcium so it literally will leach calcium from our bodies in order to break down the acid. So even though it contains calcium, it ultimately we are left with less calcium than we started with in our bodies. So moral of the story, don't drink cow milk. Don't drink cow milk. Uh, dairy has also been linked to increased risk, increased risk of prostate and ovarian cancer. It has been shown to worsen acne and cholesterol levels. And this is kind of pretty relative relevant to the pandemic, but cows are pumped full of antibiotics when they to in order to keep them alive and producing milk while they are living in unsanitary factory farm conditions. And the overuse of these antibiotics causes the people who drink the milk to have increased amounts of antibiotic resistant bacteria in their bodies, which makes us more susceptible to infection and viruses. So avoid milk you know there's a pandemic lactose intolerance is a big thing um it causes digestive issues such as nausea cramps gas bloating and diarrhea which often grow worse over time and finally and you get your gallbladder removed oh. it's such a fun cycle <laughs> and it also cow's milk contains a lot of sodium and sugar it doesn't always mm. contain that much sugar but it is very often added to it so that's cow's milk. I went into it kind of biased against it. I already think it's terrible for you. I will say I got some of this information from the PETA website. So take that for what you will. PETA is not my favorite source. I don't like uh, when Jane talks about cow's milk because it makes me feel sad and bad. Why? Because you like milk. I love milk. I eat so much ice cream. 
like I am not judging you for con- for drinking milk. Like I'm no example. Uh, <laughs> I drink lactose free milk, but it's still, it's, still it's still cow's milk. Yeah, I don't like the other ones. I don't like. I try. Mm. I try really hard to like the other ones, <laughs> but they make me thirsty. I don't know why. Soy milk and almond milk and oat milk literally make me feel thirsty. Like they're dry. Okay. Honestly. No, like, and I've been lactose intolerant my entire life, and I completely agree, Sarah. I hate all other types of milk. I only like cow's milk. I don't think I was ever a person that would, like, drink full cups of milk. Like, that, I don't know, just isn't a beverage I regularly consume. So I literally, I just put it in my coffee and my cereal. Yeah. Um, And then I eat plenty of things that contain dairy, like cheese, ice cream. Eventually, someday, I'd like to be vegan, but not at the moment. (laughs) We'll deal with that later. Um, So soy milk is the next one we're going to talk about. Soy milk has also had kind of a mixed reputation because there were a lot of myths that went around about it. Uh, The biggest (laughs) one being that it contained high amounts of estrogen that would cause men who drank it to be, quote, feminized. Oh, that's dumb. Yeah, I think people thought that it would cause their, like, like... Hormones to change? Yeah, their hormones to change. It would cause, like, breasts to grow all these like horrible myths that are just stupid and harmful i I remember when this was going around yeah and there's uh, some people also say that it it creates an increased risk for breast cancer i think also because of the estrogen although uh there is in fact more evidence to show that soy milk can help protect you from cancer than Mm -hmm. it would cause it uh, soy milk has very similar vitamins to those contained in cow's milk, but without all the extra harmful stuff that's going on with cow's milk. Soy milk can help lower co- cholesterol, blood pressure, and increase heart health. So soy milk, I, I, I think what they were saying is that it's the one that tastes the closest to cow's milk. Again, I said this last week, maybe I need to give it another shot. I, I just, I don't like it. On the list of like most healthy milk alternatives, it, while there wasn't a lot of bad things written about it, it was like relatively low. So there are some better options. A2 milk, I had never heard of before. Have you heard of A2 milk? I don't know what that is. It's like this new thing for like people that are lactose intolerant, I think. Like it keeps like showing up whenever I go into the grocery store. Yeah, it's milk, but it's made, it comes from a certain type of dairy cow that is unable to produce BMC7 peptide, which is like something in milk that, is part of what makes us lactose intolerant. It's like hard to digest. And it only creates milk made of this stuff called A2 beta casein. C-A-S-E-E-I-N. So while it still has all of those, like nutritionally, it's very, it's almost identical to regular cow's milk, but it is easier on the digestion Mm. system for people who are, lactose intolerant which fun fact like we're all technically lactose intolerant like we're the only mammal i'm pretty sure that consumes milk after infancy or something i don't know so our bodies are literally not meant to be consuming milk coconut milk is the next one i'm going to talk about coconut is kind of i like coconut milk that's a lie the other of the alternative milks i like coconut Mm -hmm. coconut milk is like kind of neutral it's fine for you it's not harmful it's not made but like it's fine. It's relatively low calorie. It 
does contain uh, higher fat levels than most of the non-dairy milks, and it doesn't contain as much protein as, say, almond milk would, but it's not a bad thing to drink. Almond milk. Almond milk nutritionally is quite different from cow's milk, so if you're going to be switching out cow's milk for something, um, you would do this, you would choose this one more for taste than for nutrition. But many brands put a lot of sweetener in it, and therefore it's high in calorie and sugar. So with all of these milks, like big umbrella thing of look at the label because certain companies will add random stuff. Almond milk is a better source of calcium than cow's milk and is a naturally good source of antioxidant vitamin E, and many brands also contain vitamin A and vitamin D. So almond milk is good, is one of the better options. This list, by the way, is like rank is like listed from least healthy to most healthy. So we're only going to get better from here. Wait, but question. Yeah. Almonds though, don't they take like a ton of water to produce? Yes, we're going to get there. Oat milk. Oat milk is very nutritious. It is naturally sweet from the oats that it is grown from and it's high in carbs, which high in carbs, I feel like I kept seeing on various websites as like either a good thing or a bad thing. Um, like it just depends on who you are. Yeah. I, I think it, yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, I see a lot of nutritionists on like the internet basically talking about how our society has villainized carbs and calories when in fact like those are things we do need some of to survive right <laughs> calories literally create energy for us to live so that we, we do that need a like, healthy amount of those that is like something that my doctor like said to me like a while ago because so I don't know if you two remember but like I developed super bad hypoglycemia because I was so low on sugar mm. that my body like had absolutely no idea like how to process anything anymore Mm -hmm. And that's, like, totally the thing. Like, we always say to ourselves, like, we're like, well, it's, like, high in calories. But, like, yes, of course it's high in calories because you have to live. You have to live. <laughs> yeah. You have to be moving your body. Like, of exactly. course that's sugar. You're going to fall right. asleep? Is that what you want? <laughs> like, no. No. I'm sorry, Jane. You're such a good speaker. No, no, I you're so right. You talk. I totally agree with what you're saying. This is an interesting fact, but I don't know how to feel about this. Okay, I Oat milk is probably what at the moment I drink the most of. I put it in my coffee. I eat, I eat my cereal with it. Um, so I felt very icky when I read this fact. But oat milk um, contains soluble fibers that absorb water around it. So when you consume oat milk, it like absorbs the liquid in your system and turns into a gel during digestion. And that's good because it helps slow down the process and keep you feeling full longer. But I don't know how I feel about having a gel in my body. I guess, you know, there's jello, but mm -hmm. still, I, I don't know. It sounds kind of gross. But it's not like you eat jello every day. No, very rarely. It's <laughs> <laughs> like the only thing Jane eats. You know, sorry, guys. I have my jello appointment. <laughs> Jello o'clock. Jello o'clock, folks. <laughs> oat milk is also good for stabilizing blood sugar and it can reduce cholesterol. So, oat milk is one of the very good ones. The one that was listed as the most nutritious I could find was hemp milk. Mm. Oh, I've heard about hemp milk. Mm -hmm. Hemp milk just sounds awesome from everything I read about it. Yeah, Although, but it tastes good. <laughs> I don't know. I've never had it. 
Also, I'm gonna get to. (laughs) I'm gonna get to in a minute why I feel weird like endorsing a specific type of milk. We'll get there. Okay, so sorry, hemp milk does not contain the psychoactive psychoactive components of cannabis. While they are grown from similar plants, it is not made from cannabis. It is though high in protein and has healthy omega-3 and omega-6 unsaturated fats and it is considered the most nutritious of the milk alternatives check the ingredient label though because companies very often add sugars and this is an interesting fact i didn't even think about sometimes because there's such a taboo around sugars companies don't list sugar in their ingredient list as sugar sometimes they will list it as cane sugar because it sounds more like a plant or evaporated cane juice oh which is just like yeah we could took juice we just took all the liquid out of it i'm like yeah yeah so sugar or brown rice syrup so look for those because that literally just means sugar Interesting. otherwise though hemp milk is great for you just check the label so now let's talk about the environmental impacts of all of these Ooh, i think this is going to be the tough part this is going to be the tough part. It's not as bad as I thought, but it ain't great. It, it ain't great. So the worst one is I thought it was going to be almond milk. I don't know why I forgot about that. The obvious villain that is the dairy industry, but <laughs> cow's milk villain. is the most um, harmful of the milks for the environment. It is considered, it is agreed upon in all available studies that it is by and far the most environmentally harmful milk. The dairy industry creates three times more greenhouse gas emissions than those from all of the plant-based milks. That's a lot. Cow's milk also uses the most land and the most water. Dairy requires nine times more land to be used than any of the other alternative milks i feel like i wrote the word milk a million times in these notes um (laughs) it's lost meaning we hear about we hear so much about the amount of water that is required to make almond milk which is true but for every liter of dairy produced 628 liters of water are used oh my god not crazy that's too many it's so so much water that's unbelievable Mm-hmm. See, this is why, like, when everybody's like almonds, and I'm like, mm, that single almond, no, too much water. <laughs> Eat your uh, chicken nuggets. I mean, almond milk, like, it is not the best environmentally, but it's like we're talking about a lesser of two evils. Anyway, now milks made from nuts. This is like a bullet point about all of the nut milks. Um, they require much smaller land areas to produce their product and the trees that they grow on absorb carbon so it's like the opposite of (laughs) creating greenhouse gases it's um helping the problem because you know trees are good uh that's not to say that it's perfect though there's a there's quite a few issues with so let's talk about the big elephant in the room we keep mentioning it almond milk so compared to all the other plant-based milk options it uses a lot more water and largely depends on freshwater irrigation. One kernel of a California almond requires 12 liters of water. Oh. 
So that's, you know, if we think about like an almond tree that was full, like 12 liters of water for every little kernel. It's, um, it's a lot of water. It is a lot of water. Now, the dairy industry, as I said, uses more total water. But the issue with almonds specifically is that they, I'll put it this way. 80% of the world's almonds are grown in California. Mm-hmm. And... California has been in a period of severe drought for most of the past decade. Yes. So a lot of that water is going to almonds? Yeah. So basically the issue is they, in in many cases, there are almond milk production locations that are in areas where clean water, clean water is already a precious resource to that community. So it's like not great that that much water is going into creating almonds when, you know, people could be surviving on it. That's not the only environmental issue Mm -hmm. with almond milk. Demand for almond milk has skyrocketed, and as a result, farmers are forced to clear out citrus groves to replace them with almond trees, which impacts the biodiversity of the land and the crops and everything. Uh, I don't know exactly what, like, negative consequences have come from that, but in general, in my research for this, I've learned that biodiversity is just really important and that a monoculture which just means fewer existing plants and creatures is not good for the long-term health of an area but the big environmental concern that no one talks about when it comes to almond milk that i've heard anyway is that it's really harmful to bees bees cross-pollinate almond milk trees almond milk almond trees Mm -hmm. and because the almond milk industry is growing and yada yada there's a lot more pesticides used than there should be and the bees are Mm. being killed by these pesticides and the other chemicals involved in an intensive industrial agriculture and so it's harmful to the bees it's hurting their numbers interestingly the second largest producer of almonds is Australia. The first one is California. The second one is Australia. And their almond orchards are much smaller and much less industrialized. And they have not experienced any harm to their bee population like we have. So it is possible to grow almonds without harming bees. Just Mm -hmm. I think it's because our industry is so much larger and so much more, you know, industrialized that there's just more unnatural things going on. That's sad. Bees are still at risk They in Australia and here because of other bad things going on in our environment, like fires, droughts, floods, uh, smoke and heat damage, but, in, but just not from the almonds in Australia. That's, they're doing it safely. So that's the deal with almond milk. It's st- of the dairy alternatives, it's probably the worst. But again, remember that dairy's the big bad guy like don't be like i feel like so many people are like well i'm gonna keep drinking cow's milk because i've heard almond milk is bad for the environment it's like no those are not the only two options and you're going to the worst one right coconut milk is uh, this list is actually also listed in like from most harmful to least harmful Uh, Coconut milk is generally all right for the environment. It uses small amounts of water and the trees absorb carbon dioxide. The main thing to look out for with coconut milk is that the coconuts are only grown in tropical areas 
And mm-hmm. if industrial production of coconut milk increases, it will be harmful to the wildlife and the people who live in that area. Mm-hmm. This isn't environmental, but the coconut milk industry also has a bad reputation for exploiting its workers. In mm-hmm. poor regions of the Philippines, Indonesia, and India, pickers are often paid less than a dollar a day to work in a hot palm groves. Oh my God. So, Make sure if you are buying coconut milk to look at the label and make sure that you're buying products that are certified fair trade uh, Mm -hmm. is important. So I'm not saying like that should write off coconut milk. Just make sure you're buying from people that don't exploit their workers. Right. Hazelnut milk is one of the least harmful. The trees are cross-pollinated by wind instead of bees. So it doesn't harm bees. And it is grown in areas that have high amounts of rainfall and therefore demand much less water. It is also one of the smallest industries, so it has a really small carbon footprint. Legume milk, such as soy milk and hemp milk. Uh, In general, growing legumes is really good because the bacteria in that plant tissue produces nitrogen, which improves soil fertility and therefore decreases the need for fertilizer. Mm-hmm. And also, they are much more water efficient than nut milks and dairy altogether. Soy milk is great because it is made from soybeans, which are very versatile as a plant. They are turned into many products. And interestingly, they're all like one of the biggest ways that soybeans are used is to feed livestock animals. Um, including those in the meat industry they are fed with soybeans which is one of which is another kind of like odd little weird sort of conspiracy i almost think in the where people are like you shouldn't eat milk because they you shouldn't eat animals because they eat soy and that like will lead to that myth of like the estrogen being a problem Mm -hmm. but that like that's not the issue Wait, also, on that argument, though, has, like, nobody then ever had soy sauce before? Did we just not have soy sauce before soy milk became a thing? <laughs> I don't know. Am I just crazy? I don't know. Whatever. The biggest concern, and this is a thing that I've eventually realized is just the case for all, like, agricultural industries, but as the industry grows larger, swaths of land of the native vegetation have to be cleared in order to grow the soybeans. And this is sort of a fun fact. I found it super interesting, but because soy is used as a meat and dairy alternative, but it is also used to feed animals in the meat and dairy industries, it's almost like a double agent. Like one perspective I read said that ultimately it was going to like be a, a, a weird like help and then hurt that, that soy was being used as such a meat and dairy replacement because mm-hmm as we get rid of the need for livestock in those industries, then all of a sudden it will like, there will be less animals to feed using soybeans and it will ultimately hurt the sales. I, I don't know. I think those sales would be replaced if more and more people were using it as a substitute. Yeah. Hemp milk I learned is really the rock star of the day. All of the parts of the plant can be turned into usable materials or products. Its seeds are processed for oil and milk, but the plant can also be turned into textile fibers, paper, construction material, and even hemp-based plastics. 
the roots grow deep and improve the soil structure and reduce the overall presence of fungi. It is also super um, resistant to disease and produces a lot of shade in the area around it, which decreases weed growth. So farmers of hemp use much less herbicides and pesticides than people who grow other plants. And it requires, it does require more water than soy, but less water than dairy and almonds. Also, it is produced in such low quantities that its impact is very small. Rice milk, I will never try now because uh, I'm afraid I'm going to get poisoned and I'll explain why. Um, while rice milk does not have as big of a water footprint as almond milk, it still has one of the bigger ones. And compared to other uh, plant-based milks, it has a high amount of greenhouse gas emissions because of the bacteria that can develop in it, which are methane producing. Mm. And in some cases, rice milk may contain an, a quote, unacceptable level of arsenic. Oh, <laughs> which apparently is just something that can seep up from the ground. It just exists in our earth. It's a mineral and it's a, it's a natural chemical. Yeah. So now I'm like, oh, great. I'm going to consume arsenic if I eat rice. And often and a lot of uh, fertilizers are used partially for this reason to boost yields. And it is really um, pol- pollutative. It, it pollutes the waterways nearby. Ugh, that's not good. And finally, oat milk is getting really popular right now, partially because it's, I think the big two are oat milk and almond milk as the like dairy alternatives and more people are turning to oat milk because almond milk's so bad for the environment and oat milk is like it's like fine oats that are used to make it were already being grown on a really large scale for food and for feeding livestock similar to the soy situation so it's easy for farmers to use the plant to create milk the big issue it's not even that big of an issue but the issue to think about is monoculture as i did as i said before having a lot of just one type of plant it depletes soil fertility and limits biodiversity and increases the risk of disease and pest infection so those were all of the environmental risks of the plants based milks and cow milk i think my biggest thing that I learned is that the best milk choice is to alternate between plant-based milk options. Basically everything I read said that the more popular one particular type of milk gets, then that industry is just going to get really big and then we'll start being harmful for the environment. So it's hard for me to endorse one milk and be like, everybody go get oat milk because then if everybody's buying oat milk, suddenly oat milk will be the bad one. Mm. So I don't know. And also something to keep in mind is packaging. Uh, It's a big hazard for the environment. So pay attention to the materials that companies are using and try if you can to buy milks that have either recyclable containers or even better reusable containers. There are some places you can go where you bring the container and fill it up and leave. Like, yeah, containers are such a, such a big environmental hazard and, that's a big a big thing for a lot of products right now that's true so how do you how do you guys feel what's your has this changed your minds about any of the milks i i feel sad i'm sorry (laughs) 
I don't want to be judgmental to any towards anybody about their choices of what they consume because there's so many individual factors in people's lives that like are to be considered and people are very mm-hmm. often making the best choice for them mm-hmm. and I I, don't, I would never want to be judgmental also I would be such a hypocrite if I judged you for drinking milk given the amount of ice cream that I consume so you know it's one of those things where like how long have like we been drinking milk you know what I mean like as like a society like cow mm-hmm. milk for like forever but it's when it became capitalized and then oh, oversaturated yeah. in the market but now cow milk is an issue and like milk and like cow production is an issue because Mm -hmm. of the fact that like cows produce so much methane and like they're being like farmed and everything but I don't know I personally like this is not the hill that I am going to end up dying on but I am fascinated to find out exactly how much poison could be in my rice that fascinates me (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I gotta like pick a hill. Today's hill is I'm dying on the prom musical. Um, <laughs> but tomorrow's hill maybe Jane, I'll take on the milk industry. Yeah, I think we have to <laughs> I think we have to take our hills one day at a time for sure. Okay, so for the middle segment today, um I would like to present a conspiracy theory because I think that this this middle segment should just be renamed the TikTok segment because half of my, half of the time it's stuff I heard on TikTok. <laughs> um, which I did not find this TikTok originally. It was sent to me by Philippa. So Philippa, if you're hearing this, thank you for sharing this. Today, I would like to talk about a conspiracy theory that was brought to my attention that Harry Styles and Taylor Swift, who dated in late 2012, committed vehicular manslaughter together. <laughs> and I'm going to go over the the evidence and the facts of the theory and some hints that we know. Y'all couldn't hear me clapping, but I agree the theory is that in late 2012 taylor swift and harry styles harry was driving um were driving down the road and harry who was not paying attention hit a pedestrian and killed them and then they covered it up the evidence is that around this time harry said that he got in a snowmobile accident um but really that was secretly a cover-up for the fact that him and taylor swift mostly him because he was driving but taylor swift was an an accomplice in covering it up um killed this person and that they've been hinting to this in their songs since then, particularly Taylor Swift, who famously references cars a lot in a lot of her songs. Yeah. Even before this, she had car imagery in her songs very often. Um, so I would just like to read to you some lyrics from Taylor Swift songs that point towards this tragic event that happened. And the girl on TikTok also brings up that it, she feels bad for Harry Styles because he committed vehicular manslaughter and then his girlfriend at the time wrote an album about it and that album won three grammy awards so. <laughs> all right these are some lyrics from style which is about harry styles she writes you pick me up no headlights long drive could end in burning flames or paradise it did! <laughs> she said when we go crashing down we come back every time like we got out of this one and she also says in that song he can't keep his wild eyes on the road clearly pointing towards some some sort of thing that happened um which is supposed who to be rom- which is supposed to be ro- oh, we That's don't the know thing i need to know is like who's the victim is someone missing like why don't we know who's the dead person that they hit why has nobody gone through that three month period of time found the locations that harry and, and okay. taylor were at 
and found the dead body. Where is the body? Yes, you are correct. However, this is a very new theory, so maybe it just well, hasn't now happened. I have yet. to find the body. Okay, all right. I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna keep going. Okay. Here are some more I'm lyrics. Sorry. Taylor Swift references this incident, this incident a lot, and maybe it's just because she was dating Harry Styles at the time that she was writing 1989, and it had an impact. It had enough of an impact on her that she wrote songs about him, which is great. Um, and maybe they were just interesting. But this is a lot of vivid imagery. The song "Out of the Woods." Um, the repeated lyric for the chorus is, are we out of the woods yet? Are we in the clear yet? Like, did we get away with it? She also says, looking at it now, it all seems so simple. Like, it was like, oh, it was a better time then. And then we could have gotten over it. But then it was like, everything got complicated because they killed somebody. And then the bridge of Out of the Woods is, remember when you hit the brakes too soon, 20 stitches in a hospital room. When you started crying, baby, I did too. But when the sim came up, I was looking at you. So I think we could take this, we could take this as, oh, we went to the hospital and she sat with him through that. Or we could take it as a lie, a cover up that he hit the brakes too soon but he didn't he killed somebody and then they buried the body and in the morning when the sun came up she was like this is between us and then she wrote a hit song about it and won grammy awards which i love i love for her hiding it in plain sight hiding in plain sight and then i'm gonna refer to the song wildest dreams which is known to be about harry those these three songs are known to be about harry styles i think they're the only three at this point that are like there's no other person it would be about. The opening line of Wildest Dreams is, he said, let's get out of this town, drive out of the city away from all the crowds. And I thought heaven can't help me now. Okay, that's the beginning of the song. Then later in the song, she says, you'll see me in hindsight, tangled up with you all night, burning it down. And then she repeats this, um, burning it down. Someday when you leave me, I bet these memories will follow you around. Like you're never gonna forget what you yeah. and I did together. Even the, even after even after it's over, you're gonna remember this. It'll haunt you. Exactly. They burned the dead body. They burned the body is what they're telling us. And the us. car. They I had mean, to. Have. They had to have. And then I'm gonna refer to um, the song Two Ghosts" by harry styles which is about taylor swift he has not said it but his responses and the way he's talked about the song point to it being about taylor swift and it's a great song i love this song um and he writes we're not who we used to be like oh we went through this thing together and it's, we could take it as like oh we broke up you know we're different people now but no they're not who they used to be because they murdered a person okay that's what he's trying trying to say so that's that's the underlying darkness behind Harry Styles, two ghosts. In history, he writes, they don't teach you this in school. Now, maybe it's like how to be in love. Maybe it's how to bury a body. I don't know. Um, we could be the greatest team the world has ever seen in covering up a murder. <laughs> okay. You know, that's what this could be about. That's what it could be about. No, that's the only that's the only song. Wait. That, that's the only song that mentions a car on No, it's not. No, it's not in Made in the AM, in the song about Taylor Swift, he says, and if you like having secret little rendezvous, if you like having the, uh, blah, 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 blah. That's and perfect. if you like midnight driving with the windows down, and if you like going places we can't even pronounce, 
if you like to do whatever we've been dreaming about, then maybe you're perfect. Maybe so he does perfect. mention cars so there. Okay. Right so, right. So then there's two mentions of cars in Made in the AM because in history, they say many bars, expensive cars, hotel rooms, and new tattoos. So again, these car imageries keep coming up. So that's just about cars. Then later, we have some more references on later Taylor Swift albums to this incident. On Reputation, she has the song Getaway Car, which is literally about driving away from a crime or like it's it's not explicitly about that but the lyrics are we were driving a getaway car we were flying but we never get far don't pretend it's such a mystery think about the place where you first met me we're riding in a getaway car those sirens in the beat of your heart i should have known i'd be the first to leave think about the place where you first met me they got away with a crime and he (laughs) drove the car like it's literally about escaping from a crime he was running after us i was screaming go 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 like what (laughs) Hello? And then Friday, after seeing this, and after seeing this this theory last week, an incredible thing happens. Taylor Swift releases a song called Nobody, Nobody No, no crime, crime, which is literally about her and a group of girls, have you, um, covering up a murder and about how without a body, you can't prove that, that anything happened, which is highly sus. And in her song, Coney Island, in which she references her exes, there's like one line for each of her exes, the lyric about Harry is again mentioning an accident. So it is highly sus to me that every time she mentions Harry Styles, she talks about the accident. Like this was the defining moment of their relationship because they killed somebody together. They had to have killed somebody. They literally had to have committed this murder because it's the it's it's clearly the thing that stuck with her the most, them being in this car. Sarah, you've convinced me. They murdered somebody. Getaway car? One of the lyrics is we were jet set Bonnie and Clyde. That's the that's the that's the and start of the You murdered someone. You murdered somebody. Why don't they just admit it? Like they're the two richest like, people. Getaway in the world. car feels like Taylor Swift admitting that her and Harry couldn't work out because this murder drove a wedge between them. I mean, it was never going to work out because he's gay, but still. Right. He's also in love with Louis. <laughs> he's also in love with Louis. Oh, okay. So Jane had asked me about Scientology, and Sam is, like, an expert in this. She cares a lot about it. So she's I here do. to talk about it and talk about what it is and the important facts that you need to know right now about it, I guess. Or yeah. yeah. She's going she's gonna, to she's gonna tell you. Okay, so to start off, um, I love cults. Um, I'm fascinated with them. They are it to me. Love a good cult. That being said, it really started because um, my family and I were concerned I would accidentally join a cult. So I became (laughs) very interested in cults to ensure that I never accidentally joined one. Which led me to watching the HBO movie called Going Clear, which was a documentary about Scientology, which led me to doing a lot of research on Scientology, which led us to today. So, let us begin. Lafayette Ronald Hubbard was born in 1911, which was hella long ago, and he'd be dead right now. But that's not what Scientology says. I'll tell you what they say later. So here's the deal. He was born to two parents in the middle of uh, America. He was born... (coughs) Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. He was born in Nebraska. Um, His father, Harry Ross Hubbard, was in the Navy, um, and he joined during World War I. And so basically throughout Hubbard's early childhood, he was kind of moving between either Guam, the rest of Asia, or coming back to America. 
when he got older, he went to college. And while he was in college, he went to George Washington University and he was trying to do civil engineering, but he ended up failing out of school. However, according to Scientology, they will tell you that he was a nuclear physicist. That was incorrect because he failed out of school, but he did say that that's what he was doing before he left GW of his own accord. That's a very big lie. <laughs> a little bit, it's a little bit of a lie, but something that you learn when you learn about cults is that the people that found them are usually extreme narcissists. So they have to change. Well, okay. So there's this, there's this man who was the founder of um, the church of Satan, Anton LeBay. And he basically had all of these random things that happened in his life that he says, but he basically says that like he and Marilyn Monroe met and then like he had this whole affair with her. Um, oh. And then when Marilyn left him, he decided to start the church of Satan which doesn't make any sense and never happened. And like, he never worked for the company that he said that he worked for. Marilyn Monroe never worked for that company. Like they had never even met right. Marilyn Monroe's like, people were like, what the hell? Like, please A don't bring up her name. Up. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But basically like people kind of marked it off with him because they were like, what this guy LeVay is doing is he's changing his history. That way it makes sense in the narrative for the people that I want to be following me, which is very much what L. Ron Hubbard, when he started Scientology a little bit after the Church of Satan was started, what he kind of does. So let's go back to LRH. So he fails out of college and sucks, and his dad decides to volunteer him for the Red Cross in Puerto Rico. So on his way to Puerto Rico, LRH is like, mm, not going to do that. So he decides to become a mineral like surveyor, like look for rocks in Puerto Rico. <laughs> Like, okay. he can't I mean, make this stuff up. I mean, that's up. his right. <laughs> it's his right, right. Uh, you're, you're not wrong. So on one of his trips back to Puerto Rico, he ends up meeting this woman named um, pa Polly Grubb. Um, and she was a glider pilot. Um, and honestly, I didn't know what this was. But because I was like, like, like a little like plane that you just like throw. But it was like, like no, a plane the with the big wings. Yeah, yeah. And you hang on to the yeah. bar. Yeah. Exactly. So um, she was a pilot and he was a pilot, but he did start a club for it at GW. So that's how they became friends and they ended up getting married. He comes back to the United States from Puerto Rico and he and Polly get married and they live with like his cousins. And he's like, what am I going to do? And obviously um, being a nuclear physicist was just not working out for him. <laughs> so um, <laughs> he decides that he's going to be a pulp fiction writer so what pulp fiction was is that basically they took like okay you know like in those instagram videos now where like people take like shredded up paper and then like make paper out of that yeah that's what pulp fiction that's what pulp writing is they take like what's left that they didn't make good paper out of and then make very cheap paper yeah and print out as many books as possible that's what yeah. they do instead of like TV shows that we have now that come out every five seconds. Hashtag never forget Quibi. Anywho. Um, <laughs> never oh, forget. talked about Quibi never on this forget. show. Whew, I'm never angry Never forget. <laughs> um, so anyway. So LRH only got paid one cent per word. So each book that he'd get would be around $100. But that meant that he just published a ton of books. And actually that led to him being the most I'm pretty sure that he's the most successful American author of all time because he has the most published books. Um, <laughs> That's hilarious. Like, 
he just he writes a lot of books right so that brings us to the fact that he's like kind of getting successful but not really but he keeps like going to different cities polly thinks that he's having affairs he probably is but whatever um <laughs> right. and he ends up going to the dentist because if you ever look up a picture of Elron hubbard he has disgusting teeth and he goes to the dentist to go get a checkup and the dentist says all right, I'm going to put you under this anesthesia. And he almost dies because of the anesthesia. Wow. He knew that he had to change his life. So he decides to write this book called Excalibur because oh. it was so life-changing that he had to write this book. But when it tried to get published, it didn't do very well. Now, that is what happened. However, according to the official biography of LRH, um, what really happened was that everybody that read Excalibur committed suicide. So he couldn't publish it because it was it was too much for the people. So World War II starts and L. Ron Hubbard's like, <laughs> I'm going to join the military just like my dad. L. Ron Hubbard was uh, in the Navy and was put in charge of two boats. Both times that he was put in charge, um, he was swiftly removed and told to not do that anymore. <laughs> During his last month as captain of the PC-815, he sailed it into Mexican territory and conducted gunnery practice off of the Coronado Islands in the belief that they were uninhabited and belonged to the United States, oh, no. which they did not. So the Mexican government complained, and Hubbard was relieved of command. <laughs> and the report that came afterwards said, he had to be assigned duty on a large vessel where he can be properly supervised. <laughs> oh my gosh. So you will not hear about this in Scientology, by the way. Like Scientology believes that L. Ron Hubbard was maybe the greatest like, like war hero. person of all time, yeah. war hero. But like he he said that he um had like all of these different ulcers and everything and back pain and stuff. He really He was fine. He was fine. He was fine. I think he had, like, pink eye at one point. They basically were like, you know what, like, you're fine to do duty, like, ashore. Just please go away, like, on the United States. Like, you get off of right. the war. We don't want you here. He resigned after he published Dianetics, which I will talk about in a second, um, in 1950. Truly, he was not meant for the Navy. Some of us are meant to be Navy men. LRH was not one of them. So <laughs> some of us are meant to be Navy men. <laughs> some of us in the world. None of us are uh -huh, meant to uh -huh, be Navy. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I'll I don't think any it. of us would none of us good option for it. Like, Sarah oh, could maybe be like a like a person who runs like the radio or like is in the office. <laughs> Sarah would be great at that. <laughs> I'd be good at that, except I'd be freaking out anytime I went below deck. <laughs> <laughs> this always makes me laugh. Okay, so after the war. LRH was abandoned After by his family. War, I went back to New York. <laughs> After World War II, um, his family abandoned him, and um, oh, they were he was he was very injured, and the war had really left him bereft. However, according to LRH's daughter Catherine, she says that um, his wife didn't want them to move across the country from Washington um, from or sorry, from Bremerton, Washington to California. So that way across the country on the West Coast. So basically LRH just decided to abandon his, wi abandon his wife and children and they got a divorce. Oh my God. While there in 1945, he ended up moving into the Pasadena mansion of Jack 
Parsons, <gasps> who was a rocket pro propulsion researcher at California Institute of Technology and the founder of the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. That man also happened to be a follower of Aleister Crowley and a leader of the Lodge of Crowley's Magical Order, Ordo Templi Orientis. What a steal. So they have vampires and witches. Oh. And that's where Hubbard ended up hanging out. So basically, this was I like pre-Summer like summer of Love. Like 1945, there was one mansion in Pasadena, California, where a bunch of people were like bohemians, like that were atheists and doing a bunch of magic. And while there, he ended up having an affair with Jack's 21-year-old girlfriend. So oh. this is 1945, and he was born in 1911. I'm a math teacher. I could do this. He's, he's 34. Yeah, he's 34. No. Yeah. Yes, he's yes. 34 years old. <laughs> <laughs> he's 34 and he's having an affair with a 21-year-old named Betty Northrup. Parsons loved him, though, and reported to Crowley that he was intelligent. He's got red hair and green eyes. And he has become great friends with, um, with like he's a crush Parsons. On Honestly, though. This is what Parsons said. He said, he moved in with me about two months ago. And although Betty and I are still friendly, she has transferred her sexual affection to Ron. Although he has no formal training in magic, he has an extraordinary <laughs> amount of experience and understanding in the field. Because as oh you my know, God. nuclear physics, the war that he was yeah. so successful at. Clearly. Lots the of college experience. he got literally kicked out of because he was failing. Jeez. So much experience in magic. Anyway, from some of his experiences, I deduce that he is in direct touch with some higher intelligence, possibly his guardian angel. He describes his angel as a beautiful winged woman with red hair he calls the Empress and who has guided him through oh. his life and saved him many times. He is the most philemic person I have ever met and is in complete accord with our principles and the lemic is basically he was the most willful person like he could do things at will according to crowley who was like this occultist like according right. to his beliefs mm -hmm. that's what he was saying hubbard divorces um holly and ends up stealing away with half of parsons fortune and sarah and they just book it they take half the money and they out after they get married, they go to Laguna Beach, California, and Hubbard is, like, trying to work on boats because he thinks that he's good at that. But <laughs> he decides to end up going back to, like, writing books and everything. So he sold a number of science fiction stories that were included in, like, his old series, which was called Old Doc Methuselah, and um, the serialized novels The End Is Not Yet and To the Star. However, he didn't have a lot of money, and his son, LRH Jr., later testified that um, he was dependent on his own father and his ex-wife's parents for money and writing, which he ended up paying at, oh, sorry. So he really didn't have, like, more than $10,000 prior to founding Scientology. He yes. also, at this point, was kind of realizing that things weren't really normal with him, which is something that a lot of narcissists actually deal with that sometimes they realize that like their narcissistic behaviors are not normal um and so lrh kept writing to the va um the veterans administration asking for psychiatric help they did get into him um and they increased his pension but he didn't really like get any help from it and he ended up 
getting arrested for um, robbery for petty theft and was ordered to pay $25, which is now $266. So that's the tea. All right. So now do you guys remember that book that I told you about Excalibur? Mm -hmm. Yes. All right. So the book that people committed suicide after reading. So Sarah... Not yes. good. So his new wife, Sarah, they move together oh, to Savannah. <laughs> no, 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 I was no, like, sorry. yes. <laughs> no, um, so his new wife, Sarah, and him, they move to Savannah, Georgia. He later claimed to have work, worked as a volunteer practitioner in a local psychiatric clinic, because that does happen. Obviously, there are volunteer <laughs> practitioners of psychiatry. You know, when anyway, you have a volunteer therapist. volunteer therapist not trained but they're your volunteer therapist and that's what they're for so anyway so he takes the book Excalibur and he's like well people were moved by this book so I'm gonna kind of like work it around because he wants to write a book about psychology so what he ends up doing is writing this book like a bunch of different things happen and like he keeps talking to like different psychological organizations like trying to get them to listen to him in this new reworked document called Diagnetics Dianetics. And nobody's really listening to him because he sounds crazy because he has absolutely no psychological training. But he does not stop. Nothing will stop LRH. So he submitted this to the Journal of American Medical Association and the American Journal of Psychiatry, which both denied it, obviously. And so Hubbard then decided to introduce Dianetics to the world by himself as a book called Dianetics, and then The Modern Science of Mental Health was the whole book. Mm -hmm. And since he was a freelance writer, he was able to kind of self-publish it. What ended up happening, though, is that people really liked it, because basically, and this is where I'm going to kind of like leave what LRH is and go into what Scientology became. He basically took this book and then reworked it into what would become Scientology. So what you do is you start with this book and you read it, and all it is is basic psychological principles. There's this um, metaphor that LRH uses a lot, and he's like, okay, now imagine that you're in a car accident, which is wild that we're talking about car accidents, but imagine. (gasps) It is. Imagine we're Taylor Swift. Um, Full circle. I wish. (laughs) Um, So imagine you're in a car accident, though, right? And you can visualize the car accident, you can visualize all of these things, and afterwards you end up like having severe back pain, right? So the theory behind Dianetics is that if you can take that visualization and detach it from yourself, if you can take all of the emotional trauma that is associated with that moment, the physical trauma will be greatly decreased. It's kind of like that thing where people are like, oh, if you don't think about getting a shot, it's not going to hurt as much. It's the exact same thing that he always says about Dianetics. And so that's what people really liked about it. They were reading this book and it was kind of giving them help self-help that they felt they could get it was ended up sorry in the first publication fifty-five thousand copies of dianetics were published selling up four thousand copies a week and it was translated into french german and japanese people then decided to set up auditing groups which were basically volunteer psychiatric appointments around the united states so the press scientific and medical professionals were all like this is insane but the people because as we've learned in the past four years, the people can really get behind an idiot. They <laughs> loved this. He does oh sound God. like Trump, if I'm being honest. Like, you guys got to watch the documentary. Who's not as rich as he says. 
every time oh that he speaks, God. I'm like, oh my God. Hubbard ended up getting $56,000 from it, this book, which is in total um, $600,000 today. And the book's income of $90,000 was listed, though it usually only got $20,000 a month. So Hubbard was still lying even as he was using this book. But basically the principle was, is that he was training people that had read the book. He was training them to be these things called auditors, which was the volunteer psycho or like psychiatrists who mm -hmm. would sit with people and help them remove their emotional trauma from their physical trauma. That was the goal. So what ends up happening is that when he um, presents this to more than a hundred people in one sitting, people think that he's insane and things kind of go off the rails. A lot of things kind of go happening. His what um, his relationship with Sarah, even though she had been the person who had really like helped him get this off the ground, it ends up falling apart. There's this huge um, custody disagreement. Um, Part of which is that Hubbard kidnapped his daughter um, and took her to uh, Havana, Cuba. And then Sarah had to get the daughter back and Hubbard was like, I never took her in the first place, but uh, he did because he was also beating, strang strangling her, keeping her from sleeping and was not um, feeding her. So he was doing a lot of awful things. But because he had made all this money from Dianetics, Sarah was really just kind of like, you know what, whatever, like, let's just get a divorce, like, let's get out. Mm -hmm. So after this divorce happens, Hubbard decides to marry 18-year-old Mary Sue Whip, and they move to Phoenix, Arizona. Wait, where he, she's what? 15? 18, I apologize. He oh, marries 18-year-old okay. no, Mary Sue you Whip. Might, you might have said 18, and I just misheard you. That's so crazy. Yeah, he's, like, this is now 10 years later, so he's 44 yeah. She's 18, fine. That's not great, yeah. Yeah, so they move now to Phoenix, Arizona, um, where he establishes the Hubbard Association of Scientologists International to promote his new science of certainty, Scientology. Scientology and Dianetics have been differentiated as follows because Dianetics is all about releasing the mind from the distorting influence of engrams which is like our emotions mm -hmm. and scientology is the studying and handling of the spirit in relationship to itself universes and other life so dianetics is how you get in scientology is how you explore it once you are in i'm going to summarize now the rest of what happens in lrh's history because this was kind of the background that you guys just needed to understand that this man is a vapid narcissist who truly took it to a degree <laughs> yeah um so basically what ends up happening is that LRH creates this Scientology college and he moves it to Florida where he decides to create a bunch of boats. The reason why he does this is because he believes that Scientology has now become a religion, you know, that like people are following his religion. They're following his practices. Unfortunately, the IRS does not agree because nobody's following like a specific person. Nobody's following a belief. They're all just reading this book and then like doing some emotional therapy. So right. to avoid paying the taxes, LRH decides to make a fleet of boats and um, have people join the Sea Org. The Sea Org is an organization of usually young um, Scientologists who all sign a million year, a billion year contract. Um, no, a million year contract um, to work for the Sea Org, to never leave the boat um, and to dedicate their lives to the betterment of society through Scientology. He also creates the path to clear at this point. 
So I'm sure that you guys have heard like clear in relation to Scientology, but being clear basically means is that you are free of like your earthly attachments and then you can move on from there. So the bridge to clear, it starts with Dianetics. Once you reach clear, you can really go into Scientology. But here's where the issue comes in. So if you may recall, LRH was a science fiction writer, correct? Yes. I, like, I'm really sorry, guys. Like, I know that, like, you're hoping that there may be some redemption here, that I may not have been talking in circles because there was a purpose here, but it truthfully is just, there is no purpose behind Scientology. It's absolutely madness. So here's the deal. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> here's the deal. L. Ron Hubbard um, was a science fiction writer, and he wrote this book, and he created uh-huh. this path to clear. And at this point, you can kind of understand where people are going because they're like, you know what? Like, this has really helped me. This has taken me out of, like, my toxic relationships. This has helped me, like, get over some past trauma. Like, I'm really into it. Uh And you're into it, you know? Like, you're following along. And then, of course, you get up to OT level five, I believe. It's OT five, which is – no, I'm sorry. You get to the clear level. Operating Thetan is later because you don't know what Thetans are. So you get to clear, and you get brought into an office. I know. I know. You're confused. I'm about to tell you why, Sarah. You get brought into an office, and they give you a briefcase. And you open up the briefcase, and there is the teachings of L. Ron Hubbard, the written-out teachings of L. Ron Hubbard. And you're like, wow, I'm finally going to see what this is about. I'm really going to see what it is. And then, as you're reading, you remember, yes, L. Ron Hubbard was a science fiction writer. Because it turns out that thousands of years ago, on a planet just like our planet that looks very much like our planet in the 1950s with people that act very much like our people in the 1950s, there was a society of people. And these people were bombed by the nuclear bombs. And what happened? All of their souls flew into the air. And so they came on their little spaceships do you, all right, I'm, <laughs> I'm, joking. I'm not even lying right now. Like, on their little spaceships. On okay. their little spaceships. They came on their spaceships to our planet. Where these beings called Thetans came out of their spaceships and into our bodies. And now all of us have many, many Thetans flowing around in our bodies. So once you finish Dianetics and you get to clear, now... You have to figure out how to work with these Thetans. Therefore, every level past that is an operating Thetan level. You are operating with the thousands of Thetans that are in your body. I will say I I did watch the Leah Remini documentary and there's one episode where her mom is with her and they're talking about their experience of Leah reading that for the first time, like in that room and her mother being present. And she was like making fun of her mom. Cause she, cause she said she looked up from it. Like, I can't believe what I just fucking read. And her mom is, and her mom goes, wasn't that amazing? Like, <laughs> That's unbelievable. That is and so people crazy. come into this room and they read this. And there are a lot of them that are like, you gotta be joking. There was one man in the um, in the Going Clear documentary that literally thought it was a joke and was like, this must be the test. If I know that it's a joke, then I won Scientology. I won. But then he oh looked up God. and the people were staring at him like, this is great, right? Just like Leah Remini said. And he was like, 
this is great, I guess. Oh, <laughs> like, no. it's not great. He must have been like, oh, no, no, no. Because <laughs> he had done the exact thing that I was describing to you guys. He had basically been doing this thing where he was taking his emotional trauma and removing it from himself. And Dianetics does right. kind of make sense, you know? But it's when you right. get to the Scientology level, which is, it's so much, which is when you get to the Scientology level, which is like looking at it in the spirit in relation to itself, universes, mm -hmm. and other life, that's right. when it really takes the plunge. The whole theory was, is that we are helping the world be clear from our emotional trauma. Mm-hmm. What LRH meant by going clear was he meant that, can you stop distracting me? I love you so much. <laughs> All right. It's like, it's about me, actually. Oh, it's about me. What so he sweet. meant by going clear was he meant that, like, you were getting rid of these immortal thetans, you know? Like, he meant, mm. let's get the immortal thetans out of our head. But if people could ignore the fact that LRH believed in aliens and believed that they were inside of our bodies they could still follow along with the Scientology belief, which is also why a bunch of celebrities started following it. Because when you're a celebrity, you really feel like you're like completely alone, right? Uh -huh. You feel like people don't understand your life. You have all this emotional trauma, but you don't know who to talk about it. You don't know who's going to be real about it with you. And auditors were able to help these celebrities like get through their trauma, get through what was going on with them. Like, through the safety of an organization that was like really all about celebrities, but also really just seemed to be about like the betterment of mankind and the betterment of humanity. So you can understand why people fall into the trap of Scientology. Unfortunately, it doesn't end up working out well. Right. So here's what ends up happening. First off, LRH um, ends up getting accused of tax fraud because obviously he's committed tax fraud. Um, obviously. <laughs> because he won't pay his taxes because he thinks that he's in charge of a religion and he ends up dying when he dies oh he died the i mean obviously he died yeah. <laughs> he was born in 1911 he died in a luxury motorhome on a ranch in california attended by a small group of scientology officials um but when he died <laughs> the new leader of scientology basically said that to continue working on the path to clear he had to leave his mortal his physical body to continue his research on another plane of existence you can actually watch the video of when david miscavige who is the current head of scientology announces to the people that um l ron hubbard has left his body and has <laughs> gone on to the new plane and people are like screaming and they're cheering and they're like yes lrh you did it he did not do it he died that's what happened to him he was dead so after he dies, um, David Miscavige becomes in charge. And David Miscavige was pretty young when he was in charge of Scientology. He was, so David Miscavige is currently 60 years old. And he's been in charge of Scientology since um, 1987, which means that he was 27 when he became oh in charge. Um, and he has been in charge of it. Exactly. And he's been in charge of it since then. So here's what he's done to Scientology since. First, he created the Celebrity Center, which, like I was saying earlier, um, he got all those celebrities that were, like, really feeling it. And he created their own building for them in Los Angeles. Um, he gave them their own special auditors. Each of them had their own personal auditor. And all these people, their careers ended up becoming, like, super successful. One of the examples is John Travolta. However these auditors didn't always have the best lives at the same time. So John Travolta's right. auditor, her name was Spanky, which I know is like a silly name, but that was her nickname. 
she basically um, had a child while she got married while she was John Travolta's auditor. He was at her wedding. There are pictures of him at her wedding. They were extremely close. And she got pregnant and she decided that she wanted to be with her child. However, since the Scientology belief is that we are filled with all of these Thetans and like that's really like who we are and we are only like when we die, our souls are just going to join somebody else's soul. So it doesn't really matter who we are on Earth. Scientologists don't really believe in the concept of parenthood. They don't really believe that you should be having your children around you. So Spanky's newborn was taken away from her and put into the Scientology daycare, which consisted of a bunch of children taken care of by like two people um, in a extremely like squalid environment. Like all the children were sick. All the children were hungry. Like it wasn't good. And when Spanky protested, she was um, put into... Oh, it was um, one of those, like, camps that they sent the kids to? It's the Rehabilitation Project Force. So the Rehabilitation Force basically um, is the Church of Scientology's program for members of its sea organization who have allegedly violated expectations or policies. So when Spanky violated these policies, um, she had to do manual labor. She ended up being taken away from um, John Travolta. Um, she wasn't allowed to see him anymore. And then when... Um, one of his movies got released. Um, David Miscavige wanted to see it. And um, she had to get John Travolta to agree, but he said that he would only agree if Spanky showed up to like be there with him because he missed her and he hadn't seen her and she had been taken away from him. Once John Travolta's um, agents gave permission for the movie to be shown to higher level Scientology officials, she was put back into this program and they never saw each other again. Um, she wasn't allowed to see him. She didn't get to go to the premiere. Like, she was not at all allowed. They're basically, oh. like, given, like, nine cents an hour for, like, cleaning with, like, toothbrushes, like, either the Sea Org ships, the Scientology organizations, like, whatever they can. And they get maybe seven hours of sleep at the most. Like, they say that they get seven hours of sleep, but, like, it's not usually that much. I mean, and bad things also happen to the celebrities. So, like, for example, John Travolta obviously awful things have been happening in his life like that is unprompted you know what i mean like his his wife um dying and um his son dying but there's this big celebrity rumor that john travolta is gay and the Mm. thing is is that that rumor only comes out every couple of years in tabloid magazines scientology has done everything in their power to control the media so Scientology has this policy of fair game, which basically means that anybody who is against Scientology is fair game for them to attack. They can write whatever they want. They can follow them around whatever they want. They can take pictures That's of awesome. them wherever they want. They can do whatever they want. And the thing is, is that John Travolta is a member of Scientology. So these bad rumors of him should not be coming out, correct? Have there been any really bad rumors about Tom Cruise that have come out, like, besides the fact that he's a Scientologist? No. No. Everything about Tom Cruise is, like, he's a good father. Like, he misses his daughter. He's a Scientologist. So, like, that's why he can't see her. John Travolta all the time is, like, he's gay. Like, he's not a good father. Like, blah, 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 blah. So the theory is is that John Travolta keeps being, like, what's happening to Spanky? What's happening to my friends? Let me out of this organization. And every time that he does, Scientology releases this. And that's why he has to, like, that's why he stayed a part of it for so long, even though his career is basically non-existent anymore. Tom Cruise, on the other hand, is David Miscavige, the head of Scientology's best friend. So that's Mm. never going to happen to Tom Cruise, and he's completely fine. Right. Um, However, 
things have happened to people that Tom Cruise is close to, a.k.a. Nicole Kidman. Um, I'm sure that we have all seen that photo of Nicole Kidman Mm -hmm. running down the block, like, screaming Nicole Kidman. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, I love that photo. Who doesn't? But what a lot of people don't know is that Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise had two children together, and Nicole Kidman has not seen them in over a decade. (gasps) Because when you leave the Church of Scientology, when you do wrong to a person who practices Scientology, you are labeled as a suppressive person, an SP, and nobody is allowed to communicate with you. You are completely shut off. Oh my god. So Nicole Kidman's children have been raised as Scientologists, and therefore have labeled her as an SP and do not communicate with their mother. That's like her. I had no idea. Yeah. Her two children, she cannot communicate with them because they're Scientologists. You know, like she has her kids with Keith Urban, um, but like her kids, you know, like they're her kids and she can't be with them um, because she's an SP. And that's the thing also with Tom Cruise's daughter, Suri Cruise, Suri Cruz can't be um, with her father because she's a Catholic and therefore an SP. So Tom Cruise cannot talk to his daughter either. Yeah. So other things that Scientology has done, um, they have covered up Danny Masterson, the guy from that 70s show. They covered mm-hmm. up his sexual assault of many women. Well, let's go back to the whole because you guys are so fascinated by the whole. It really is. It's such a convoluted story. That's why I kept asking you before we did this, like, what do you want me to talk about? Because there's so much to talk about. No, you've talked yeah. about really interesting stuff. Okay. Well, here's... I'm also so much better without my notes because I know so much more than, like, if, like, I read it out, I'm like, oh, but I can look it up. Anywho, but this is what I have to talk about. I'm going back. So here we go. So the whole... So all these men that work there are in charge, and there's this guy named Mike Rinder, right? And Mike Rinder is... um basically like their face he is mm. the person that talks to the media and mike rinder was doing a poor job of talking to the media david miscavige was mad at him um and it had gotten to the point where scientology's battle with the irs was just becoming too much so they wrote they decided to write an absolute banger of a song called we stand tall oh which was performed <laughs> By all of, which it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, Jane, had all of the high-ranking members of Scientology sing the 80s pop tune that goes like this. We stand tall, no turning back, we found a way. Yeah, it's a great song. You should listen to the whole thing. My dad and I sing it all the time. I have a dance routine choreographed to it. It's bad. Anywho, Mike Rinder is standing right behind David Miscavige in that video. For the video to be filmed, Mike Rinder was taken out of the hole, forced to film the song, and then put right back (gasps) in. Right back in the hole. The next time that he was released from the hole, he was sent to London to go talk to this guy who was, like, attacking Scientology and asking if Mike Rinder had, like, labeled anybody an SP. Mike Rinder had to say that's not true. Two days later, he quit Scientology and never went back to Florida. Or he didn't go back to Scientology. However, Mike Rinder does live in Florida because his children are still involved in the church. And even though he is labeled as an SP and cannot talk to them, he wants to be near them in case they ever leave and need somebody to talk to and need some place to go. I mean, the last thing about Scientology is that I'm going to say is that, yes, there are all these celebrities and like they can do what they want. um, And it's usually like not an issue for them. But for normal people, um, Scientology costs thousands of dollars every single level that you go up to so there are 13 mm-hmm. ot levels right now right each ot level right. costs 
to like do the auditing, to get the books, to get the new version of Dianetics that is published every single year, which is usually just the exact same copy of Dianetics, but with a different cover on it that you have to get, to go to the different courses that Scientology has, all of those things. It ends up costing around $50,000 per course, $500,000 as you go up, plus you're expected to donate to Scientology um, each year which means that regular people more remortgage their homes, join the Sea Org so that way they have a place to stay, send their children to the Scientology school, that way their children can be educated somewhere because they can't pay for it anymore. Right. So people give up their entire livelihoods, which is why so many people are still trapped in Scientology because they have no money anymore. Right. A lot of people don't go. have any education because they got stuck in Scientology and joined the Sea Org, so where were they supposed to learn? And they're absolutely trapped. So... That's pretty much it. Any questions about Scientology? This is thrilling and crazy. It's absolutely nuts. I would honestly say that watch Go Clear, Going Clear on HBO, like HBO Go, HBO Max, whatever you have. Like watch Going Clear. It's absolutely amazing. And it really like tuned me into a bunch of this stuff. Um, Uh Leah Remini's Scientology, The Aftermath is super cool because Leah Remini was a celebrity. So she didn't have to deal with any of this nonsense. Right. Um, and, but she left because she was like, the story of how Liam Remini left yeah. is hilarious, though, because basically she was at Tom Cruise's wedding and was like, where's David's wife, Shelly? And everybody's like, Shelly's fine. Why are you asking? Why are you bringing that up at this nice occasion? And oh my God. Leah was like, yeah, you shouldn't be asking that. That's not your business. <laughs> shouldn't be asking. Who's Shelly? And she was like, Shelly Miscavige is my friend. I was just wondering where she is. So Leah Remini's convinced that Shelley Miscavige was dead. That's why she left. And also she just thought that it was stupid. But now what she does is she finds like normal people who left Scientology and is like, tell me your story. Like, let's talk about your story so you can get your family back. So you right. can get your money back. So like you can get out of this. So that show's super fascinating. Um, the Podcast Network's podcast on Scientology is really great. Those are different things that like I've learned about it. But if you want, you can always go on the Scientology website because... It's full of gorgeous pictures of David Miscavige, the hottie, LRH, pretending that his teeth are not destroyed. And, you know, like fun little things like how to deal with the coronavirus, Scientology, keeping people safe. Right. Oh, my God. This was crazy. This was so much information to take in all at once. Um, I'm sorry. I know that it started out really convoluted, but I was like, this story is convoluted. It is convoluted, but I'm so it really glad you, is. I'm so glad that you shared it because I think it's important for people to know it's nuts what it is and why that's yeah. important. But it it's absolutely crazy, but all super important information. So thank you for sharing it because I think so many people don't know what yeah. this is all about. And there are a lot of cults. There are a lot of cults out there. Yeah. And it's important that you Stay vigilant. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> your toes. Like you see the Scientology building in Manhattan, and you're like, I know so many people that are like, oh, like I'll just like go in to like check it out. And the first audit- auditing session is usually free. And if you go in for free to check it out and it's cool, then you go in for the next session and you pay money, and then you keep going, and eventually you're thousands of dollars in debt, right? And you're stuck in the Sea Org, and you signed a million year contract, All right? Oh boy! All right. Well, thank yeah. you for all that super valuable information, Sam. It was you're welcome. You did a great job. 
<laughs> of explaining you. that. And I hope that now everybody is afraid of Scientology because I have been I really for a hope. long time. But I it's hope terrifying. It's, it's, it's terrifying. absolutely terrifying. I'm scared to go on the website and look at it. Like they're gonna get my information and start sending me emails, and then people oh, are gonna yeah, show up in my house. Like, yeah. if I was free gamed by Scientology, that's the dream. Oh Sorry, I keep talking. <laughs> anyway thank you so much for listening you can find us on instagram twitter and facebook at ykwibw podcast you can check out our website i've been wondering.com if you like what you're hearing you can email us and i've been wondering podcast at gmail.com and we'd love to put it on our show and finally if you like what you're hearing you can consider leaving us a five-star review on itunes sam thank you so much for being here we loved it thanks for having me this was great yeah, thank you. It was great having you. Wait, can I ask something that I've been wondering? Absolutely. It'll be what I'll, I'll answer your yes. question. Yeah. All right. Here's what I've been wondering. So obviously I have Signora Donatella here. Mm-hmm. And here's my question. Pets that have disabilities, how do they still know what's going on around them in the real world? Oh, that's a good question. Like, I'm happy. My cat can't hear anything. Why is she constantly screaming? Mm, that's a good question i will look into that i will happily look into that jane you know what i know sorry go on no it's okay jane you know what i've been wondering what so right now right now in the world the largest now I'm sorry. Wish you were here with me. This is oh. serious. What I'm about to ask you is a serious question. Serious up. Okay. So, okay. Right now in the world, the largest strike to ever occur is happening in India because farmers are gathering for a strike. The other day, 250 million people in India gathered to strike, which is two thirds the size, over two thirds the size of the American population. So, I want to know what's going on in India, what are they striking, what do they want, all that good stuff. Okay, that is serious. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Okay, yes. All right. All right. So, that's what's coming up next week. Thank you again to Sam, who's been so helpful and so lovely and such a great guest. Thank you so much for listening. This is You Know What I've Been Wondering.